When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. And I'm Brandon Suba. All right, so this week we're going to give you a good spoiler warning before we get going. There's for sure going to be spoilers for The Last Ronin. We're going to be covering issue one. Yes, and we are going to spoil the heck out of it, folks. So seriously, if you haven't read the book, if you don't want to know, sign off now and we'll talk to you next week. And even if you do want to know, still just don't listen. Go read the book. It's really that good. It is. It is. The art's phenomenal. I think we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. The layout is great. I like uh, that it, it's a bound. It's not just a stapled comic. It's a bound comic. So it's a little yeah. thicker. Uh, and the front's more of a plastic coating versus just a, a page. Because it's a whole whopping 40 pages instead of the, or 50. Somewhere on there instead of the 20 that a comic book usually is. You know, does it have, because I know you reference page numbers. Does it have page numbers on there? Uh, no, I had to count them. You did! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to reference the moment other than that. So I'm so proud of you. I am so yeah. proud of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I went hard. So all our listeners better appreciate it. <laughs> all right, so with that, we'll get into our first segment. Let me tell you a story. Perhaps I can best explain. The story of my young friends and I is really the story of a man named Hamato Yoshi. So this was originally an idea from Eastman and Laird way back at the beginning of Ninja Turtles. Uh, definitely towards when they, they were still working on those Mirage comics. So they had an idea outlined and then it kind of got left by the wayside as they got too busy. Uh, and other things like that. So Eastman later rediscovered this script, or at least this uh, outline, and uh, he punched it up a little bit. He kind of worked with it, uh, modernized it, because it was originally supposed to take place in 2015. You know, it was going to be like, uh, it's going to be like 30 years in the future, you know, back then, but you know, that's now. And so he brought in (laughs) Tom Waltz to modernize it, uh, brought him in with him, they actually went to go get Peter Laird to see if he wanted to help write him, but he gave him his full go-ahead and said that it's, uh, you know, he's done. He's, he's still going to stay in retirement, but they can go ahead and make it, was what, uh, what Eastman said. So this is going to be, so the story is by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Tom Waltz. The script is by Tom Waltz and Kevin Eastman. Uh, layouts are by Kevin Eastman. Pencils and inks are by Isa and Isaac Escorza, I believe is how you say their name. Sure. Yeah, and the art on page 39 is by Ben Bishop. 
because they have him doing the flashbacks, anything that takes place in the past with the Younger Turtles was drawn by Ben Bishop. Uh, color Assistance by Samuel Plata. Colors by Luis Antonio Delgado. And letters are by Sean Lee. Additional editorial coordination by R.G. Yarena. I'm guessing that said, looks Spanish. And edits by Bobby Curnow. So that is all the background information I have on this, which we'll now leave to Brandon to give us our summary. And I am progressively trying to get better at these summaries. I find I am a storyteller and uh, I love being on the microphone, but it is, I find it difficult to tell stories of stories. So I worked on it and we're going to give it a shot here. All right. The last Ronin. We start the comic with a turtle, we're not sure who it is yet, is about to swim to the New York Island. All the bridges are underwater, and the turtle describes the water to be cold and gross. New York is completely walled in, and you can see in the middle is a big building that is very characteristic of the Foot Clan. Once the turtle scales the wall and drops in, we see a colorful scene with flying cars and a lot of technology, very much like Japan meets New York. With the Turtles brothers talking to him in his head, but in the comic it actually shows the three standing behind him, which I thought was cool. He realizes he needs to get to the big building in the center of town, and he snags a bike to do so. Now, it turns out the bike belongs to Jones, and I think we'll get into this a little bit later, or we got into this early on, or when we were talking <laughs> about the show today, and we will talk about Jones in the future. Yeah, members of the gang call, call this girl Jones, which I'm guessing is by her last name. And we all know a Jones in the turtle saga, if you will. Yes. So he, uh, he takes a motorcycle, he gets to the base of the tower, and he attempts to blast his way in. Well, that fails, so he has a little luck, and he finds an open cover to the trusty sewer. After finding a manhole to come out of, he learns that there are now alarms on the manhole covers. Triggering security, we see our first ninja fight, and I thought it was very well done. Spencer, what do you think of the first ninja fight? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, it is. It's just great action, great. The last Ronin just smashing the, uh, smashing robots. Smashing robots. The turtle fights jumps off of flying cars, and does a graceful flip off of a railway to stay away from being caught. Now, in the meantime, we get an inside look of the tower where we meet Oroku Hiroku, right? Oroku Hiroto. Hiroto. Hiroto, yeah. Hiroto, who is Shredder's grandson. There are birds flying around, we'll talk about that later, and Oroku is not happy with the intruder in the city. Now back to our last Ronin. With a few more jumps and a few more flips, the turtle gets into the tower where Oroku is. So many more great fight scenes, and Oroku releases the mousers that fly now. And we will also talk about the mousers here in a little bit. The turtle continues to win until a giant mouser knocks him out a window, smashing the turtle into the ground. We see him get up with blood coming out of his mouth, and that blood never really stops. <laughs> and he makes his way back down into the sewer. We get one more quick glimpse of Oroku, who is safe for now, talking about how he destroyed the turtles, and he claims he will defend his empire to his mother, who is in a glass case for now. Do you think, do you think she'll come alive through all this? I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see if Craig comes alive or not. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. 
Now back into the uh, back to the turtle in the sewer. Almost dead, the turtle lays out all the weapons and all of the colored masks that he took out of a bag on the ground, which I loved that. I love that. With a broken katana, the turtle attempts to kill himself. Now there is a moment where, as you referred, he has a dream, and he goes back to the four turtles down in the original sewer layer, and we think that kind of seems to be the end. But he is brought back to life by the ever-so-famous April O'Neil, and we find out that our last Ronin is no other than, Spencer, you can have the spoiler on this one. Michelangelo. Which I thought it was going to be Raphael from the very beginning. All through reading it, when I saw Michelangelo, I got on my phone and I text Spencer, and I'm like, <laughs> so it's Michelangelo. Really? Really? And I saw, it, I saw it coming from a mile away for a few reasons. You know, I, I grew up with the 2003 series, which has an alternate future story as well that's dark and grim, and you see Mikey be a lot more sobered up there. And so I kind of already feel, you know, I'm, that wasn't new ground for me. You know, it wasn't anything I was like super surprised about. But the other reason why I guess it was either Mikey or Raphael was just back from the previews because Tom Waltz writes dialogue so well. You know, he, he writes it so well. And so Donatello was super obvious that he was one of the ghosts. That was the most obvious one out there. You could tell it definitely wasn't him. Yep. Even the Leonardo one, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Leonardo. And so I was like, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Michelangelo because it's poetic for it to be Michelangelo because he was the very first turtle ever created. You know, the Ninja Turtle with, with the turtle with the nunchuck strapped to its hands. That's right. As well as he's the heart of the team. You know, like every team member kind of has their role and Michelangelo's is more than just the goofball. He's also the heart. You know, mm-hmm. He's the one that... uh is the most social, the one that gets closest to people. So it makes sense that he would carry this burden and carry around his brother's personalities with him much more than any other turtles would have. And I don't know, I don't know if it's the, I I feel they always portray Raphael as kind of the lone ranger missing his family, Uh his brothers and everything. So I was probably more stuck on that. And then I felt they wrote it to sound like Raphael, which then there was a huge piece of me that's like, they're not going to be that obvious. If they are trying, if it sounds, to me, if it sounds like Raphael, then it's most definitely not Raphael. (laughs) But, you know, I I agree with the heart. Uh, I think Michelangelo is a good choice for this. And for for a lot of us, I think that that added a nice twist uh, to who the last Ronin was. And as it goes back and as we get more... uh as we get more flashbacks and backstory, the other reason why it's great that it's Michelangelo is we're going to be able to get the most character development out of him as he changes into this more cynical character. And so I feel like that is also going to be very valuable as far as good storytelling goes, as far as giving us a good in-depth story that we all want. You know, all of us older fans, that's what this book is for, is those older fans that have been fans since their childhood that are now looking for something a little bit more with a little bit more substance to it, a little bit more mm-hmm. depth. Oh, and almost, and once again, this is coming from that original cartoon, more mature. And I know yeah. the comics are much more mature than the cartoons overall, but I do feel the comics up to date are very much for the adults that grew up with Ninja Turtles to continue on that love. Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is not 
aimed towards the adults that grew up on Ninja Turtles. And good for them to grow the franchise. It's, it's part of how they're going to keep producing stuff like this for us when they have the other support on all platforms. Yeah. No, it's definitely not a bad move for them to make. So we've already kind of busted into some of our other segments. <laughs> <laughs> so we better get moving on. Then we'll move on to second time around. Hey, nice junk. So we made a few a bit of adjustments for second time around. You know, before it was already kind of about things that brought us nostalgia. And so that will still kind of be what's here. But for up-to-date stuff, we can't really talk about dated things anymore because it's current. <laughs> right. So we, yeah. So we'll be mentioning like Easter eggs, references to older turtles in second time around uh, as well. And of course, talking about those things that kind of take us back to older Ninja Turtles in general. So one of the first things that I noticed is that on page five, um, there's when he's jumping the wall, uh, when Michelangelo's jumping the wall, there's these hover cars. And one of them looks like the party wagon. It's a van. It's yellow. It's got a green roof. And it's just flying by. And I don't think that that was a mistake. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a very intentional reference to, to the party wagon. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. The lights are the same. Uh, the side, win- uh, side mirrors are the same. I mean, the only thing it's missing is a gun or two or something on there. So good, good eye. Good eye. I did not catch that when I read it the first time. Yeah. No, and I, I, I yeah, when I saw that, I was like, that's got to be a reference to the party wagon. Mm. The yellow and green. Yeah. And then the next thing that just takes me back to my you know the series i grew up watching with ninja turtles as well as it you know kind of goes back to volume four of ninja turtles is motorcycles you know peter laird actually whenever he writes he always just writes about what he whatever he loves (laughs) be that like uh nanotechnology or motorcycles i think in one of those issues of volume four there's even this moment where he he straight up has like, like a character say like, oh, it's a good thing I've got an Apple computer because I can do this and this and this on it. It's almost <laughs> like a written in ad. Uh, so he, whatever he loves, he always incorporates and he really loves motorcycles. And so they're all over in volume four. They'll just mention, you know, oh, I'm going to take this motorcycle and name it by the model. Uh, he, there's an interview with him where he talks about how he for sure made sure there was motorcycles in the 2003 one. It's why Raph has his motorcycle. You can see it all over. So eternal riding a motorcycle for me just takes me right back to, to that uh, to that cartoon I grew up watching. Now, now maybe I'm I'm grasping for straws here, but in the lineup of the motorcycles, uh, which I think is gracefully page six. Thanks for counting the pages again, Spencer. But I really feel in the lineup, the last one, and I'll I'll show it. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, the last one I think looks like a turtle cycle. Am I crazy? I mean, you've got the yellow, know. you've got the green, it's more open, you know, so you can fit on with the shell. I, once again, it's, it's because you mentioned the party wagon yeah. showing up. Now I've just got it in my head, but it, it could be, it, it, it could be. I have, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm not, I'm not a motorcycle buff and the shell cycle, I believe was red to like match Raphael's aesthetic. So I don't think it would be that one. Well, oh, I'm trying to think of the original toy. See, I think the original toy had the, the yellow and the green on it. Though. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, like I said, grass, grass from first trust. Trying to find an Easter egg because you found one. I'm just trying to be cool. <laughs> yeah. And then 
So the other one I saw is on page 15. Uh, Michelangelo talks about using the first real lesson that his father taught him to strike hard and fade away, which as we know is a reference to issue one of, you know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, strike hard and fade into the night. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that's what they do. So that's definitely a reference to those early things. Uh, another thing that takes us back to the old 87 cartoon, as well as the 2012 one, uh, you know, the robot censorship. We've got robot ninjas. Granted, they're synthetic ninjas, is what they call them. So it looks like there are some bio parts to them that they grew, possibly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they are definitely robot ninjas. You can crack them open and they're full of wires and, and robot parts. Uh, another thing that's reminiscent of the old comic books is internal monologue. That first issue, you've got Leonardo narrating everything that's going on in his head, and you're reading it very Frank Miller-esque, uh, very Frank Miller-inspired, and he does it throughout this whole issue. He's narrating in his head. And that's very uh, much. And I cut that, too. Uh, I like that. I, I don't always like it when... Um, comics fall back on well we drew a picture so you should know what's going on necessarily i do like the internal monologue to help kind of keep the story going there's a fine line there's definitely a fine line because if you go back into like silver age you've got a narrator that's like narrating everything or people like narrating exactly what they're doing he you know he's just like i'm he's throwing a ball at me i must dodge it and he (laughs) says it out loud you know very very silver agey of, of comic books and so I really appreciate it because uh, I've read like a lot of, well, I've been reading a lot of Silver Age Green Lantern. So I really appreciate it when you kind of see that movement, when they start moving towards less dialogue and more showing. Mm. Like there's, there's a lot of power in the art that way. So I, I think there's a fine balance. There's definitely a fine balance. And, and Frank Miller kind of has a lot of that balance. And so if you, you know, like that style, you'd probably like his take on his run on Daredevil and things like that. It's got more of that, uh, balance between monologue and seeing what's on the page um so another thing is the storming the castle thing it's very reminiscent of the return to new york arc uh whenever they go up shredder's castle his tower uh it's the same kind of thing he's going on this castle storming journey uh up through the city trying to get to the top where hiroto is so, so, you know, the real question is, is the Technodrome still down under that tower? That's the real question here, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Who knows if Krang is even in this universe? So, hey. did the Technodrome blow up? I, I don't want to, like, in, in the original comics, you know much better than that. Did it ever blow? Did, well, wait, do they have the Technodrome in the original comic? No, no they there's, don't. There's never a Krang. Uh-uh. Right, okay. So, then you have it's it once you song. start the cartoon... They don't have it in IDW either. Yeah. Well, they have the, they, they, they yeah, they have the Technodrome in IDW. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I guess that's something we will maybe find out. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Like, they might they might end up adding in, like, a Son of Krang or something like that. In, oh, that'd be if they cool. Continue, if they continue this story. Right. they have mentioned that they, if this book does well enough, that there might be more stories to tell in this universe. They might tell other ones. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll do something with Krang. I don't, I don't know. Or, you know, with Krang's like son or something coming back for, for vengeance or who knows. How does, how does Krang reproduce? Don't answer that. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole alien race, you know? 
<laughs> so somehow, maybe uh, suspicion. That's right. They just that's split. Right. <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense. That sounds about right, actually. Who knows? They're aliens. <laughs> maybe they have like a third, like a third sex that we don't even know about. Okay. See like now, sex. now we're going into the weeds. The weird, <laughs> the weird weeds. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of all the most alien ways to, to reproduce. All right. <laughs> so, back on topic. <laughs> the last thing that uh, I kind of listed here that, that is reminiscent of, of old Ninja Turtles as well, reminiscent, I kind of mentioned it earlier, is it's reminiscent, very, it reminds me very much of the same as it never was episode of the 2003 series. So they go into a very dystopian future, Shredder's ruling everything. Uh, and, you know, they're going to be leading on a resistance to fight Shredder. Uh, in that one, not all the brothers are dead. But I get a feeling that uh, a lot of the concepts for this were taken from there. Definitely the family was separated. They all kind of were pissed off at one another. So I think that we're going to end up seeing some of that, uh, same, some of those same concepts playing out in, in this one. Well, and it wouldn't shock me if they somewhat in a weird way tie that together. But when you were explaining that when we were planning the show, that made a lot of sense. I have not seen that specific episode, but uh, once again, way to just tie the universes together to have yeah. those little Easter. I, I think there's so many more Easter eggs that we don't even know that they put in this stuff. And you even dig into the, the drawing and the words and all of that. I mean, you're, you're, you read into it way more than I do, and I think you catch a lot of good stuff, but I wouldn't be shocked if there's a lot of crossover stuff in there. Yeah, no, it won't surprise me at all. And I don't, have you seen, uh, have you seen any of the cover art for like the next issue? Uh, let's see, is it in there? I... It's not in this book. It's, it's been online and stuff. Uh, well, wait, is it? Tom Waltz has shared some of it. Is but that... uh, there's... Oh, I guess that would be on the next one. There's there's a different cover I've seen that's uh, it's just a sigh, and it seems like it's maybe sinking. Oh, in the water. so half oh. die. So in, in the next issue. Oh, that'd be cool to see how they all died. So what picture I showed him in the back of the last Ronin, uh, right after we find out that it's Michelangelo, you see next issue, and it's Michelangelo crouched down in the shadows, pulling out a katana, um, out of its what holds? I sh uh, dang it! I use what. A sheath? A sheath, yes, thank you. Yeah. I was gonna say shield. I couldn't get shield out of my head. So that I mean that that was the cover I was thinking, but that would be cool if they go and they show how each one dies. I didn't yeah, think I think, of that. I think that's what they're gonna be doing, which is gonna get real heavy real fast. But yeah. it's also gonna be, I'm sure, great writing behind it. It's the same as like I don't know if you've ever read the Injustice comics, but I love the Injustice comics, but it's totally just I've, I've only heard it be described as like misery porn. You know, it's just so depressing. <laughs> so depressing. So sad. But it's so well written. It's yeah. so good. Uh, and, and that's kind of what I, I'm worried that some of this flashbacks of the Latron is going to be. It's going to be so well written. So good. It's going to move you inside. But it's going to be a little depressing. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to see justice prevail at the end. I'm sure we will. <laughs> And it will kind of make up for, for the sadness of, of losing the whole family. Because uh, Tom Waltz shared as well on Twitter just a tiny little snippet of a cover for issue three of this already. And you just see Casey Jones's mask hanging from something. It looks like it might be a little broken up. Wow. So 
like I said, it's probably going to get pretty heavy pretty fast. We're already, uh, once again, kind of breaking our segments <laughs> as we get excited and get ah, It's the new, we, it's the last run, and we knew this show was going to be all about it. All yeah, about it. All about it. So we'll move on to our next segment, unless you have anything else you want to add. No, no, I'm good. All right, we'll move on to anchovies. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? I call legend low. So both of us found <laughs> only one anchovy. Both of us had the exact same one. Do you wanna do you wanna share what it was, Brandon? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. It's the flying mouser design. They look like flying pugs, like dogs. They yeah. it's three balls with two little legs and they're fly it looks so dumb. So yeah. dumb. I was gonna put a lighter than that, but <laughs> oh, it but just yeah, it's not it's not my favorite design. I'm pulling it up just to reiterate how much I don't like how they look. Like, I understand, I understand. Kind of okay, I got him. You want to see it? Do you want to see the picture too? Just to remind I, you at it too. how horrible. There's just these yeah. little puggy looking things with two little fangs underneath. And they and they fly, and there's no reason they should fly. Like, I, 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 don't get me wrong, a flying mouser is good, but but they should, I don't know, not give them four little legs then, and maybe just a base to be flying. Well, yeah, and then they shoot lasers out of their one little eye on the top. Yeah. Mike Michelangelo makes mincemeat of them very very quickly, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, they're only in there for like a couple panels. So, I mean, yeah. while the design isn't that great, and granted, we, we may end up seeing more of them in the future anyway, it mm. is, it's not, it's not story-destroying bad, you know? It's just one of those things where it's like, mm, that doesn't look that good. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't love that design. Okay, now I'll play devil's advocate here. Let's take an original mouser then. If they just made that fly, like didn't change the look or anything, but now it could just hover or fly, would that be just as bad? I mean, possibly, you know, if they took the body and then like threw a couple propellers on the side or something. Okay, I'm actually, I'm cool with that. I'm actually cool with that. <laughs> yeah, like to remove the legs and just have some propellers, like a couple helicopter propellers on each side for it to go. That would it would be work. It, it would be, uh, and I may be way off the wall here, but it would be like the first time we saw R2-D2 fly in the Star Wars universe. Because obviously the first three, he didn't fly at all. And then all of a sudden he has these little rockets that shoot out of the side. And I think it was episode one. And I'm like, really? Why didn't he do that before? And he does it now. That's, that's fair. That's a good point. I'm, I'm a prequel kid. My first movie was The Phantom Menace. So I didn't experience that. <laughs> okay and like yeah he can fly <laughs> so okay see and that's good that's good my yeah. cousin uh she she had not she's 25 she had not watched him at all and mm -hmm. so when she started watching she told me because i'm a huge star wars fan and so I, she started with a new hope she the correct order as most people say or how they were honestly released yeah i said here's the deal when you get to phantom menace don't worry about the graphics don't worry about the acting listen to the storyline because you know enough of the story there's so much that you learn and as i've dug into disney plus has really gotten me back into it too but as i dug into yeah. it more the storylines are so important in those first three but it is a little difficult to get over the annoyance of anakin and and then all the cgi that they use in it so i get it 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it never bothered me because I, I watched it a thousand times as a kid. So for me, that's that's normal. That's what I grew up. See, with. So I right, love, right. I love prequels. I love them. I do too. It's a I do too. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't doubt it. <laughs> yeah, but the CGI doesn't really bug me. Like Jar Jar Binks, I'm totally fine with him because. Was too. I don't know why they rip on him. Okay, we're not doing a Star Wars podcast. Yeah, we're so we're doing a, doing a Turtles. Podcast. Podcast. We're doing a Turtles podcast. Back to Turtles. Speaking <laughs> of the uh, the I love being a turtle segment. Yeah. Oh, I love being a turtle. All right. So I'm gonna say I loved the whole thing. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> absolutely with you from beginning to end even when the guy handed it to me at the comic book store and it was it was that book not a comic but like the book even that i got excited with yeah but in all seriousness you know bringing it to what you know certain things that really stood out to me that i really loved uh page 20 to 21 was chef's kiss you know I i was gonna i was gonna make the sound i know no one can see it (laughs) <laughs> you know, it was it was magnifique but uh so the reason why i loved it so much is it's kind of like the first it's the first time you see hiroto right mm-hmm. yeah so as mikey's going in the city and word gets up to hiroto you see him standing there and he is talking to his people okay so yeah so it's after the first time you kind of see him but he, he kind of gets word at least maybe it is you see his back Sorry, but no, he's you standing see- there. And he, he gets he receives word that someone is breaking into the the upper levels of the city, and they're not down in these poor levels that they've stated are down there. And he, you know, is kind of saying, "All right, we need to get our forces, and you know, you take this person down, film it for examples to everyone, and we're going to take this guy down." So what I love so much about it is as it goes on the panel starts super skinny, you know, very compact. And then there's another one and then it breaks apart as you move into the next page. It's all kind of connected into one page. So you have like a bigger elongated panel, a square one. And then those are kind of on top of this whole giant picture down below it. And you've got crows flying up uh, towards the reader on there and it just gives this feeling of you know awakening some you know mikey has stirred something here and it's it's coming to life and it's it's reaching out its forces are coming out it, it just gives this feeling of you know he's he's stirred he stirred some trouble he's awoken something that's going to be you know releasing lots of consequences and i don't think the birds are also just there visually it's uh, I think they're probably going to come into, I think there's something more to just him having a whole bunch of crows sitting around his, his penthouse at the top of, uh, at the top of this massive tower. We don't know yet, but I think there's going to be something more. Well, either I, way, hmm? I play the game of whenever there's animals around, usually a mutation happens related to those animals. I mean, heck, maybe he has wings and we don't even know it yet. Maybe, maybe he's going to sprout him. I don't know. Either way though, even if what I just said was totally not on purpose and it was just them just making something visually pleasing, those two pages are still just incredibly visually pleasing. Great to look at panels. Mm-hmm. I love them. Yeah. Uh, the next thing on here is we kind of already talked about both of these. I love that it's Michelangelo. I think it's the best choice for the story. 
Uh, I already got into that, so we won't need to keep, you know, we won't need to get back on that track. I, 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 you sold me on it. I want to be clear before we talked about it, I did not feel that way, but you've really sold me on it. And now I'm okay with it. I, I feel better right. about it. All right, good. <laughs> I mean, there's even other moments before when you're reading it where you can kind of, you already kind of can tell it's Mikey. You know, when he says, you can take the turtle out of the sewers, but you can't take the sewer out of the turtle. That, that's a very Mikey-ish thing to say. You know, you can feel there's more cynicism in the character. That's not a very cynical thing to say, but previously, you know, you can feel that. But there's still some of that child in him, for mm-hmm. sure, that quite hasn't left. Some, some of his character. And, and you can read it in, in quotes like that as you're going along. Uh, the next thing is... Jones, you know who is this Jones? I is it? are you gonna are you gonna talk about the daughter? Because that was when we talked yeah. about this episode. I thought that was a great point. It, it very easily could be Shadow or Shadow's daughter. Shadow Jones is it's in the original comics. If you haven't read them, she is Casey Jones's stepdaughter, more or less. Yeah, more or less, more or less, because. It's a complicated story. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll keep it as short as I can. He, he basically dated they – did they marry? No, they didn't marry. Did yeah, they, they got married. Okay, so he married a woman. She was already pregnant, so it's not his daughter. Died in pregnancy, adopted the daughter, and raised her as her own. So I don't think she feels like an adopted daughter, but if you were to look at the legal side of it, very much adopted. I, I highly doubt he went to the court and did the paperwork, but totally an adopted daughter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, her name is, I mean, that's why her name is Shadow as well as because she was named by Casey Jones. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's a very, very Casey Jones thing to name someone. Father of the year to begin with, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> She's got to be related, not only just because we've already heard the name Jones, but she is the one that happens upon Michelangelo in the sewers when she goes to pursue them. She's the one that goes down there and is just like a turtle, like a mutant turtle. And after she says that, that's when he goes into his flashback and he wakes up in April's, wherever April has him. Uh, And so that she's got to be related. Mm, sure. It's either going to be Shadow or some, just some sort of relative of Casey Jones. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, they put Jones in there for a reason. Yeah. For, it's too relatable. Too relatable. Yeah. And the other cool thing is just old April. Yeah. You know, it's fun to see this, like, weathered soldier-looking April who, uh, <laughs> who you know, is ready. He looks pretty hardened and uh, ready to probably uh, – and also just her just being a mom to Mikey, you know, just once again, just being the mom thing. You had me worried there, mister. This is very much April's role is to be like the, the mother figure almost of the turtles. Well, and she's still rocking the yellow. I do love yeah. that, that they, they kept that in there. And then also had a bowl of ramen, which I'm a huge ramen fan. Uh, and I don't know, a couple of water is all it looks like. But, you know, I, I don't, I'm no doctor, but I'm pretty sure if you are recently stabbed and fallen off of a building i don't think a bunch of sodium is your best choice but you know what they're in a sewer i think they're in a sewer uh so yeah i don't, I don't know where he's at now but. they don't really show it uh, well they don't they show the room 
I don't know. Maybe it's not. I mean, there's plugins on the walls, so I don't know if it's the sewer or not. I just can't. I guess I just default to that because it's cement blocks and they, you know, created their little home down in the sewer. So hopefully we find out. All right. So before we, uh, you know, break into Channel 6 News and then have our closing remarks, we've already kind of talked about it a little bit, but do you have any predictions for issue two for what comes next so coming into this my predictions were different now that we've really talked it out i feel a little i i really want to see how everybody dies i now you've got me hooked on that i'd love (laughs) to see that but based upon what the cover looks like going forward obviously mikey recovers he gets better um i don't think they're going to go back to a prequel necessarily they're going to keep this story moving forward i feel april's going to be more involved they're going to develop more on the jones character and uh, once again, just with the cover art for the next issue, I think Mikey's going to go for revenge again. He got close. He's dedicated. He's got nothing else to live for. I think he's going to go for the tower again uh, and, and have more insight going into I feel he kind of went rogue and just out of rage went for it and kind of got what he got. I think he's going to be a little more strategic going forward. And if they don't show how everybody died, uh, I do feel they're going to continue the story on him going for uh, – Roku. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm waiting for some, some things that I'm waiting for is there's already a mention of Stockman tech. So I'm waiting to see what they've done with Stockman. I'm waiting to see if he ends up being a brain in a jar. He's going to be a fly. He's going to be a fly. <laughs> I'm waiting for him to either be a brain in a jar or for him to have had a kid that is now running at the show. Will it be a boy or a girl? If it's his kid. Um, I think it'll probably end up being a girl. They kind of I agree. To, to be moving in in that direction with a lot of a lot of characters. Yep, I agree. So I imagine it'll probably be a girl. So yeah, I think we're either going to see Stockman's kid, or Stockman is going to be. I mean, it's possibly could just end up being really old, but I really want to see him as a brain in a jar, just preserving himself and, and staying alive. That's that's a, that's another two thousand three thing. I guess I guess you want to see Stockman as a fly. I want to see him as a brain in a jar. <laughs> All right, no, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. No matter what, you know. I mean, he may not always get turned into a fly, but I feel like Stockman always gets like horribly disfigured. You know, whether it's being mutated into a fly, having his body parts removed until he's a brain in a jar. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they've done anything to him in the IDW series because I haven't. I'm I've been reading the IDW collection. So no, well they get. I mean they get pretty far in the weeds on the IDW to where you're not even seeing that. So what you knew it better than I did. Where do they end up futuristically um, as they're traveling through time? The panda something. Um, Are you forgetting or am I crazy? You the. We're all the the frog and the mammoth and the oh yeah yeah no that's that's the yeah the world of pantheon yeah, yeah. the pan yeah the world of pantheon I mean that's uh, honestly that's kind of where I I phased out but they spent a lot of time there up to date so I don't think we're really worried about Baxter Stockman in IDW world yeah unless unless they brought him back as a fly and if they did let me know and I'll continue reading it before we get there it is going to be getting into city at war which kind of is has repercussions with karai after that as well as one of my favorite characters is kind of he's been more in the turtles universe side but he's entering the main story i I really like bishop it's like one of my favorite villains yeah yeah and that's also because the 2003 series but (laughs) 
Okay, so so I have never seen the 2003 series. This is why I love how we we come together on this. But now that it's on CBS Access, and we talked about this, I I I kind of you once again you've sold me on this. You should be a salesman. You sold me on wanting to watch that now. I I just I don't know. I love Ninja Turtles. I do too. (laughs) I do too. Why we're doing? But uh, yeah, no, it's on CBS All Access as well as. I mean, you can buy the first three seasons on Amazon if you don't want to, like, have that continuous fee. But also, you know, you may not know if you want to buy a whole series of it or not. But well, it's Turtles. I'll own it. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I mean, that's definitely my route is I'm going to own what I can. But Yeah. Yep. And then use the streaming service for what's left. Anywho, um, what other predictions do I have? I want to see Oroku Nagi either, not Oroku Nagi, Oroku uh, Kirato. He'd be wearing like either a cyberpunk shredder armor, because that would be pretty Ooh, sweet. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, or I think he might go demon on everyone. He's got all these crows around him. Uh, crows are typically like there's bird demons in mm-hmm. Japanese lore called Tengu. And I'm waiting to see if those crows are related to that at all, hmm. um, or not. They may or may not be. And that that's about covers it for, for what I'm anticipating, what I'm excited for, what I'm waiting for. I don't like to be too solid in my ideas because I don't want to create a whole story in my own head that, you know, is not what plays out. Because I feel like that's how you set yourself up for the biggest disappointment. That is correct. You know? So that should conclude this. After some Channel 6 news, we will have some closing remarks and we'll uh, end our podcast. April O'Neil, Channel 9 News. Uh, Channel 6 News. All right, so this week for Channel 6 News, uh, we got a couple of items here. One is something I f- forgot to mention last week and uh, ended up not bringing up. So last week, Jenica 2, issue number one, was released. So that's another miniseries featuring Jenica. And now I'm ahead of the game and I'm, I'm on the ball. Tomorrow, uh, or November 11th, TMNT issue 111 will be released. And that's all the news I have for this week. So next week, we're going to be covering Mirage issue number two and number three. As always, please like, share, and leave us a review so we know that you're enjoying this podcast that we're putting together and we're always open to new ideas. Follow us on Facebook so you can keep up with the most up-to-date turtle news. We look forward to talking to you next week. And as always, cowabunga, dude. Cowabunga. Thank you.